0: This is a Willits Point-Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point-Shea Stadium. Yes, it is. The Subway to Shea podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happening surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Subway to Shea. Listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shay. Please also take a few minutes to write me a review. Let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week. And by going on Apple Podcasts, leaving me a rating from one to five stars, hopefully you're giving me five stars, and reviewing the show by leaving comments in the review section under Apple Podcasts, it can only help me to make this show better each each and every single week so please head on over to Apple Podcast, rate and review this show. If you're a new listener to this podcast, thanks for joining us. And if you've been a supporter this whole entire time, thank you. I love going on this journey with you each and every week, and I'm so happy that you are tuning in to this Mets podcast every week. Now, make sure to follow my work on Rising Apple. Rising Apple is a New York Mets site on the Fan Sided Network. You can read my articles by going to risingapple.com or checking out the links in my description for the week's podcast. I actually don't have an article up. I haven't had one in a couple of weeks because work has been a little crazy, but I will be getting back on that. I have a piece coming out on Seth Lugo in the next week, so stay tuned for that. Make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog and the Fansided Network at Fansided. So you can follow both of those on Twitter. Now, on to this week's episode of Subway to Shea, and what a week we've had. So much going on from the last time I've talked to you. If you remember, we were talking about the qualifying offers to Noah Syndergaard, Michael Conforto, and at last, last week, we did know that Michael Conforto was not taking the qualifying offer. That wasn't the big news that happened during the week, because during the week we were surprised by Noah Syndergaard, and we're going to get to that shortly. So from Noah Syndergaard and Aaron Loop taking their talents to LA, to Billy Epler being named the Mets GM, it's been a crazy week. Some of these news items i've discussed on twitter spaces so if you joined me which i enjoy doing and very much enjoyed chatting with some of you i'd like to make that something we do together every once in a while or anytime a big news item hits so stay tuned on that front let's break down the week in mets news and i was going to start off with the syndergaard loop epler that got trumped over the last couple days We are going to get into, and it's surprising to say, Stephen Matz. That's where we're starting off. Let's start off with what has happened, the latest. Stephen Matz signed a deal with the St. Louis Cardinals, signed for four years, $44 million. And like we're saying, why are we talking about that on this Mets podcast? Because the Mets were showing some interest in bringing back Stephen Matz. Now, I didn't know how to feel about bringing back Stephen Matz. On one hand... I didn't really care too much for Steven Matz, but if they did bring him back, if they did decide to bring him back, for me, it would only work if it was for the back end of the rotation, a four or five slot. You put him in the back end and you're committing to signing a couple of other pitchers because we've talked about this for weeks. Mets need to sign two to three starting pitchers. So if you were going to bring Matt's back, put him at the back end of the rotation, I would have been fine with that. Well, the other night, Steven Matz signed with St. Louis Cardinals, just like I mentioned. Four years, $44 million. Well, the next morning, we find out from Steve Cohen a tweet he wrote. He goes, I'm not happy this morning. I've never seen such unprofessional behavior exhibited by a player's agent. I guess words and promises don't matter. And we all know that he's talking about Stephen Matz' agent and This continues to be a struggle for the Mets to sign people right now, and a lot of things were said. Cohen, not happy. Matt's agent even left a message with Ken Rosenthal, and I'm going to read that to you, saying that he was aware of Mr. Cohen's tweet. It's unfortunate that he chose to take his frustrations to Twitter. I will not do the same, and instead will take the high road which is consistent with both my character and and the character of our client. Steven Matz grew up a Mets fan, loved his time there, and continues to invest in the New York community through his efforts supporting New York's first responders. As a result of all that, there was a strong pull to return to the Mets. But ultimately, he made the decision he felt was best for him and his family. Steven is and will always be grateful to the Mets and Mets fans, but he now looks forward to his next chapter, with a tremendous franchise in St. Louis. And that was comments made by his agent, Rob Martin. I'm not too upset about this, to be honest with you. And I know Cohen was more upset with the way Rob Martin handled the whole situation than he. I'm pretty sure he was with Steven Matz not coming back. And I know a lot of Mets fans did not really want Steven Matz to return. He had a very lackluster time here in New York, besides pitching very well in the first part of his rookie season in 2015, where he went 4-0 with a 2.27 ERA. He struggled from there on. 2016, 9-8 with a 3.40 ERA. 2017, he was 2-7 with a 6.08 ERA. 2018, 5-11, 3.97 ERA. 2019, 11-10 with a 4.21 ERA. And then his last year with the Mets in the shortened Season, 2020, 0-5 with a 9.68 ERA. Now, why would the Mets want to bring him back? Well, in Toronto last year where he got traded to, he went 14-7 with a 3.82 ERA. And you got to think, what is the reasoning for the Mets to want to go back there? And obviously, they need starting pitching. But like I said, if it was for the end of the rotation and they were going to bring in another starter or a top-end rotation guy then fine, that works. But, you know, when you need two to three starting pitchers and Mats is the big signing, that's not the way to go. So I understand Steve Cohen was upset with the way things went down, but at the end of the day, it's probably a blessing in disguise that we did not sign Stephen Mats at all. We move on and we try to get... The Kevin Gossmans of the world. Or we try to go Marcus Stroman, bringing Stroman back. Mark, Max Scherzer's out there. You could go John Gray. There's a whole bunch of pitchers that are out there. Carlos Rodon. We've talked about this. So I'm not too heartbroken over this. I'm also not heartbroken at all. Well, maybe a little bit. Maybe just a little bit. Over Noah Syndergaard leaving, bolting, no pun intended, the New York Mets for loss. Angeles, and he's going to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. He signed a one-year contract, $21 million deal with the Angels. It caught us all by surprise, as we thought he was going to take the qualifying offer, which was $18.4 million. Uncertainty in the front office led him to sign with the Angels, as he was sold with coming to L.A. in his interview with Angels GM Perry Minagian. He also discussed there being a lack of communication from the Mets, during his introductory press conference this past Friday. You know, at the time, not having a GM and a manager could have played a big role in his decision and could play a big role moving forward. So just keep that in the back of your head. The Mets right now, they do have a GM, but they don't have a manager. So who's going to lead this team? That might be a reason for players not wanting to come here. But in the case of Noah Syndergaard, I don't think it was like that for the Mets. Yeah, no communication was there, but I don't think it was needed. The Mets offered him the qualifying offer. The $18.4 million was offered. And all that was needed was for Noah Syndergaard to make a decision. The Mets weren't going over that for a guy who has spent two years on the shelf following Tommy John surgery. It would have been a mistake, especially considering where the Mets are at now and how much they need. And let's not compare this situation to what the Mets dealt with when they let Zach Wheeler go. Zach Wheeler had already pitched a couple of seasons, and the Mets made a big mistake not signing him. This is not a mistake. They need a lot more certainty than Noah can provide. And I will leave it at this. I don't blame any side here, Syndergaard or the Mets. Noah took the deal that was best for him, and we all would have taken the money. The Mets offered what they thought he deserved coming back from injury. And I'm glad that they did not budge. I think the problem Mets fans and I have is with the way he addressed the situation at the end of the season, making it sound like a sure thing he was returning. That bothered me. And I know it bothered other Mets fans as well as yourselves listening out there. Now, if we look back at the career of Noah Syndergaard as a Met, he came on strong. His career, 47-31 and 31 with a 3.32 ERA. Let's look at his career here. 9-7. and seven. In 2015, with a 3.24 ERA. All-star year, where he finished 8th in the Cy Young, 19th in MVP voting. He was 14-9 and nine with a 2.60 ERA, and he had that big, big game in the wild card, where the match eventually lost, but he was almost pitching, what, a no-hitter during that game? He just got outpitched by Madison Bumgarner. Then 27, he had that very bad injury-plagued year where he really didn't pitch that much. Only seven games. He was 1-2 and two at a 2.97 ERA. 2018, a good year for him. 13-4 and with a 3.03 ERA and 25 starts. 2019, he struggled a little bit. 10-8 and with a 4.28 ERA. Obviously, 2020 knocked him out with the Tommy John. 2021, he came back and only pitched in two games at the end of the season when Owen 1 and had an ERA of over 9. There's just too much for the Mets to risk by signing him. So I don't blame the Mets. I don't blame Noah Syndergaard. What's done is done. We should all be moving on from it. It's okay. I wish him the best in his future, and I have moved on, and it's time for all of us to move on. Angels weren't done, though. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim were not done, and this hurts a lot more. The Angels dealt an even bigger blow to the Mets when they signed the best pitcher outside of Jacob deGrom, reliever Aaron Loop. He signed a two-year, $17 million deal, and this is a tough loss as we know that Aaron Loop was the anchor of the bullpen and the most consistent pitcher. If you go back and look at his 2021 season, 6-0 with a .95 ERA in 65 games, 56.2 innings pitch, in those 65 games... Or you know, let's look at in those 56.2 innings pitched, he had 57 strikeouts. The guy was amazing. He had a great year in 2020 with Tampa with a 2.52 ERA. And uh this one hurts. This one hurts a lot because I, I've talked about this on Twitter Spaces, I've talked about it on the podcast, and I said that the Mets need not one, but two left-handed relievers in the bullpen. And now they have none. Now they have none. So they let their best reliever go to Anaheim. And what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Now, I don't know what happened in the negotiations process, but I don't see this as the end of the world. It sucks. It's awful that we lost our best reliever, but it's not the end of the world. We all know that relievers are hot and cold every year, and I don't know if Loop can duplicate that in Los Angeles, especially in the American League. But we will see. The Mets might come to regret this, or they might not. Every year's a crapshoot, but it sucks. It does. But like I said, it's not the end of the world, so let's look at who is available. Let's not focus on him being gone, because it's, it's over with. He's gone now. He already signed the deal. They got the little picture that they posted of him on the Twitter and Instagram. So we are moving on. Let's look at the people. There's three names that I want to talk about. One of them was Brad Hand, and I know what you're saying. He was awful last year. He didn't look too good on the Mets. Yes, I understand that. But I wanted them to sign Brad Hand as the second reliever for the bullpen, even with Aaron Loop coming back. So even if they brought Aaron Loop back, I kind of wanted Brad Hand as the second reliever. Now, last year, he was 6-7 and seven with a 3.90 ERA. Not a really good season for him. He spurned the Mets in the offseason because he wanted to be the closer in Washington, and then he got traded to Toronto, and it was a whole mess. He pitched okay for the Mets. He was 1-0 with a 2.70 ERA and 13.1 innings pitched. He gave up 12 hits, 7 runs, 4 of them were earned, and he struck out 14 batters. So he's a possible option to bring back. At the very least... I would bring him back on a minor league deal. There's no harm in having depth in the bullpen. The Mets need depth. And to bring him back, not the worst thing in the world. Absolutely not the worst thing in the world. But let's look at a couple other guys. The one guy that I talked about, and that's Andrew Chafin. He was on the Oakland Athletics, and I thought that it would be great to bring him in. He was 2-4 with a 1.83 ERA in 71 games. He pitched 68.2 innings, struck out 64 batters. And I think if you were to bring him in, I think that would be a big big upgrade. It's not Aaron Loop. None of these guys are going to be Aaron Loop, but Chafin is the best out of all of those guys. I'm telling you. He also spent some time in Chicago last year, so in Oakland, 1.5 ERA and uh in Chicago 2.06 ERA. He I think is the best out of the free agencies if you're going to try to find someone. But the Mets mentioned that they were interested in Taylor Rogers. But the problem with Taylor Rogers, who's coming from Minnesota, is that he's not a free agent. You'd have to trade for him. And maybe the Mets can do something with trying to get Byron Buxton to here. I know a lot of Mets fans wanted Byron Buxton to play center field. Maybe bringing in Taylor Rogers, doing some big deal like they did last year when they got Lindor and Carrasco, maybe that could change things. So looking at Taylor Rogers last year 2 and 4 with a 3.35 ERA career ERA 3.15 He had 59 strikeouts last year for a total of his career, 361 strikeouts. This is a possible option if the Mets can pull it off. They've already got one reliever from the Minnesota Twins in Trevor May. Let's see if they can pull off Trevor Rogers. They're going to bring someone in. But my hope was that they always have two lefties in the pen. Because once you use Aaron Loop for five pitches to get one out, and then you take him out, you got no more lefties in the pen. At least have two guys. So however they go about this, whether they bring back Brad Hand, Go after Andrew Chafin, trade for Taylor Rogers. The Mets need a couple of lefties in the pen at the very least to be successful and to have a successful bullpen. Now, there are so many options, but the new GM has a lot of work to do, and it just got that much more complicated. And I say new GM because last week we didn't get to talk about this. I think I recorded maybe an hour or two. Did I? I, I don't remember, but it was definitely before Billy Epler was named the new Mets general manager, named last Thursday night. Press conference was on Friday. My initial thoughts, you know, time to stop worrying about who they didn't get and being upset about it, and time to focus on the team right now. They need to hire a manager, and they need to put this roster together because it's very depleted. You know, Billy wanted to be here, and who knows? Billy may be a blessing in disguise. You know, once the big three were off the board and you look at At experience, Billy is at the top of the list. Over Adam Cromie, over Raquel Ferreira, and the Matt Arnolds of the world. Obviously, he wasn't successful in the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim because Artie Moreno was there doing a lot of meddling. You know, a lot of people talk about Steve Cohen and George Steinbrenner, how they did... Artie Moreno is a meddler, too. The history with Epler and Moreno in Los Angeles, not the greatest. You know, he had to deal with the Pujols contract. That Moreno... Put together, he had to deal with signing Rendon. Obviously, he had to give out the money to Trout because you know Trout's that generational player. But then you know you bring in Brad Ausmus as your manager. Artie Miranda wants him fired. Wants to bring in Joe Madden. What a mess that whole situation was. And I do like that Billy has experience here in the Big Apple. He worked in the Yankees organization. You know, he joined the New York Yankees and became a rising star in their front office. He was the director of professional scouting from 2006 to 2011, and an assistant GM under Brian Cashman from 2012 to 2014. So let's see if he can succeed in Queens and bring the Mets a championship. He's got a lot of work cut out for him. Needs two to three starting pitchers. Needs a left-handed pitcher in the bullpen. Needs outfield help and possibly more. So Billy is coming into a tough situation in trying to build this Met organization, not only as a winner in the major leagues, but also in the minors. They need to rebuild that farm system. This is a big year for Billy Epler. I know it's his first year, but it's a big one because we're going to see how creative he gets in bringing in major league talent. And we're going to see how creative he gets when it comes time for the draft because the Mets have about what, five or six picks they're going to have two in the first round, two in the top 15. The Mets have a lot of work cut out for them. And let's see if Billy Epler is up for the task. Now, my final thoughts before this train leaves the station. The Mets did make some moves already. They signed outfield prospect Nick Plummer. And I know what you're saying. Now, the Mets are going to the championship. Now, they're going to win one with Nick Plummer on the team. Well, this is depth piece right here. A depth for the minors. Also, a depth because, you know, the Mets struggled in the outfield last year, and they needed outfield depth. They got to Khalil Lee too early in his career, and Khalil Lee may be ready now, but last year he struggled. So this is a big move in bringing in Plummer, who was a first-round draft pick for the St. Louis Cardinals in 2015. As we look at the career stats for Plummer in the minor leagues, he was a 221 hitter with 33 home runs and 152 RBIs last year 2020 for two teams he had 15 home runs 54 RBIs and batted 280 that's his best year in the minors so maybe the Mets can catch lightning in the bottle now they got two outfielders that they can go to and you know, possibly bring up if there's injuries or in case they lack depth. Hopefully, they're not the guys because the Mets need to make some moves out there. But uh, the Mets got some depth in the outfield. They also got depth in the bullpen. They claimed right-handed pitcher Antonio Santos from the Colorado Rockies. So he could possibly be a bullpen piece. Last season with Colorado, he was 0-1 with a 4.76 ERA in seven games, pitched 11.1 innings, 10 strikeouts for Antonio Santos. So the Mets are building depth as much as they can in the minors and as much as they can with bullpen, and maybe they strike lightning in the bottle with a couple of these players. You know, not a lot of the times it doesn't work, but maybe it does with a guy like Santos in the bullpen or Nick Plummer in the outfield. Speaking of the outfield... Seiya Suzuki was posted on Monday, and the Mets have some interest in him. Coming from Japan, we look at his season averages in the NPB. 3.18 average, 30 home runs, 89 RBIs, and that's through six seasons. He's a slugger, and he plays right field. Can the Mets bring him in to replace Michael Conforto? We'll definitely see if that's the route they go to bring in a piece for the outfield. Now, the Mets 40-man roster, they had to add a couple of pieces to save from the Rule 5 draft. They added shortstop Ronnie Mauricio. That was a given. Mark Vientos, another one given. Jose Budo and Adam O'Leary. Now, don't remember the last time the Mets got someone from the Rule 5 draft that actually worked out for them. Because you remember Brad Emus? He was supposed to be a stud. Nothing. So at least the Mets save their guys from getting taken. And um, we'll see who they pick up in the Rule 5 draft and who they lose in the Rule 5 draft soon. But next week is going to be the CBA is up. And there could be a work stoppage. So let's see if the Mets, Billy Epler, Cohen, the rest of the front office, Sandy Alderson, let's see if the Mets make any moves before the CBA expires. Because if they don't, it could be until maybe February, at the earliest maybe, January, February at the earliest, where people can sign again and trades can be made because absolutely nothing can happen during that time. So hopefully the Mets leave us with a few presents before the CBA expires. And we are in a need, desperate need for some good news. I don't think I've heard good news come from the Mets since right around before the All-Star break. After the All-Star break, once the ground went down, they lost a series to the Pirates, it was all downhill from there. And I don't want to include the Billy Epler becoming GM as good news just yet. We're going to have to see how that plays out. That was more relief for me. I felt relieved that they finally got a GM out of the way. So we'll see what happens next week with this whole CBA situation and where the Mets end up on the spectrum with that and if that they can sign some of these players, get some free agents in here, re-sign Baez or Stroman, or Mets got to do something before that CBA goes up. Bring, Make some moves, guys. Make some moves. Now, as we wrap up the show, please take a few minutes to write me a review. Let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. You could do that on Apple Podcasts. Leave me a review by leaving comments in the review section and also rating the show from one to five stars. Hopefully, you're giving me five stars, and that would be awesome. But doing all this can help me to make this show better each and every week, and you can do that on Apple Podcasts. Now, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram, at Subway to Shea. Listen and subscribe to the show, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. Also, I'm a contributor now for Rising Apple, which is a New York Mets site on the Fan Sided Network. You can check out my articles for Rising Apple, as I will leave those links in the description of the episode. This week, there is no article. There will be one next week as I get a little deep digging into the current situation with Seth Lugo and where the Mets go with him. Now, make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this show. I appreciate you. Also, very much. I also wanted to take the time to wish you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the holiday, and I hope you get to spend it with your loved ones. So, again, happy Thanksgiving to all my Subway to Shea family. Well, that will do it for this week's podcast. Always remember to listen, subscribe, share, and review. For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to Subway to Shea. Let's go, Mets.